Kia ora, and welcome to Aotearoa's Opportunity, a podcast where we talk about fair pay agreements and how they can help us tackle some of Aotearoa's most urgent issues. In this podcast, everyday workers will be sharing their stories about the issues that they deal with in their industries and how we can discuss solutions that FPAs will have to offer. So, no mai, haere mai, and welcome to Aotearoa's Opportunity. I'd been working very consistent hours over a particular period, uh, more than half a year, and so I thought, well, surely I'm, I'm full-time, aren't I? You know, I'm here all the time. Um, and so I, I spoke to my manager about that, and he was like, nah, I don't think so. It had some weird reading of the contract, and I spoke to someone else that, at the casino is supposed to help employees, and they absolutely don't. Um, and then, then I approached my union, and they were like, oh, actually, yeah, like, that's how we read the clause. We, we think we think you should actually be full time, um, and so they they took that case for me. Two of the two of the big campaigns that, that I'm particularly proud of since I've been national secretary um, were the living wage for the MIQ workers and the, the pathways to residency for the migrants. So, the the living wage for the MIQ workers, you know, the country had, had gone into lockdown. The border controls had completely changed. Hospitality was just laying workers off all over the place. But these people these people had jobs, keeping everyone else safe. But they didn't have the pay to go with it. Um, <clears throat> completely fallen through the cracks. Uh, the ministry didn't seem to care that it was implying people in health critical roles to the entire economy, just above the minimum wage. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa's Opportunity Podcast. This week we're looking at the Hospitality Fair Pay Agreement, which is the biggest fair pay agreement we've got. It covers up to 150,000 workers in hospitality, covering places like restaurants, hotels, casinos, cinemas, all sorts of workplaces across the country. Una Dubelt-Leach from the Council of Trade Unions interviews John Crocker, who's the secretary of Unite Union, and he came up as a table games card dealer at the casino in Sky City and now runs the union. We talked about his motivations for the union um, and how he came to be where he is. We talked about the issues they're facing in hospitality and their aspirations for making work as good as it possibly could be in hospo. If you like the episode, remember to subscribe so you see future content and share it with your friends and colleagues. Enjoy. <laughs> Hey, John. Hi, Yuna. Would you be able to start off by just talking about how you first got involved with hospitality and what it was like for you working in the hospitality industry? Sure. Um, when I first got involved in hospitality, it was it was my first job out of university. It was probably my first real job. Um, and I... <laughs> I found I found it on a list of jobs at Wins, uh, and it was being a dealer at the casino, and I, I thought that sounded quite exciting. Um, interesting job for your first one, so yeah, I applied for that and was successful, and found myself, uh, yeah, dealing the table games at the casino. Wow. Okay. And how long were you doing that for? Um, I was there for a total of nine years. Yeah. Okay. Gee, and then at what point, um, working as a dealer at the casino, were you exposed to the union, or did you realise what the union was? I kind of knew what the union was when I first um, got there, mm -hmm. but at that at that time it was it was a little funny. Um, I'll edit this out. Uh, the, the the union was going through some some internal conflict and ended up with actually quite a quite a significant division. Um, and so once that settled down and it became clear that they were you know the unions were working together and um, advancing the interests of the workers, that's when I got involved. So it was probably about two thousand eight, I think. Okay, okay, um, and were you? Did you become aware of 
um, parts of the job for yourself, for your role at the casino and other people at the casino that needed to be changed? Um, like were those things that became you became aware of? Yeah, I did um, quite personally. Uh, so uh, not long after I was not long after I started the casino, maybe about a year or so, um, I wanted to change my hours, and I think I might have been slightly misinformed. I ended up being casual, which kind of worked for me in a way um, because I wanted to play in a band so I could get you know time off to practice and, and play shows. Uh, but it had some downsides, and you don't really see those downsides when when there's plenty of work around. But if there's for some reason whatever it is there's a downturn, you're the ones without shifts. Um, so. I'd been working very consistent hours over a particular period, uh, more than half a year, and so I thought, well, surely I'm I'm full time, aren't I? You know, I'm here all the time, um, and so I, I spoke to my manager about that, and he was like, no, nah, I don't think so, and had some weird reading of the contract, and I, I spoke to someone else at at the casino, who's supposed to help employees, and they absolutely don't. Um, and then then I approached my union, and they were like, oh, actually, yeah, like. That's how we read the clause. We, we think we think you should actually be full time, um, and so they they took that case for me uh, quite a way actually. It was quite involved. It went on for a while, um, and what was interesting to them was that they knew this was a problem, um, but they needed a worker to stand up so that they could lead the case. A lot of the times, the union can't run a case just in the abstract; it needs workers to stand up. So having a casual worker that was prepared to actually challenge the company and say, "No, I'm not a casual worker. I'm actually full time," was useful to the union, and they were happy to support me through that process. Okay, cool, awesome. And that union was Unite? It was Unite, yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, so thinking about where we're at now with the hospitality industry, um, you've been with Unite for a very long time. How long? Uh, I've been with Unite professionally for 10 years as a member, I guess, 15, 15 yeah. Okay. And um, Unite currently are organising what kinds of hospitality places? Um, well, Unite's always had a big presence in the fast foods. I think it's quite natural for, for unions to drift towards the larger employers where you can get workers together, when you can um, negotiate one collective rather than several. So historically, Unite's been strong at McDonald's, restaurant brands, uh, the casino, obviously, some of the larger hotel chains, um, particularly their core group. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, and so thinking about some of the wins you've had um, since being at Unite, for example, the N Zero Hour um, campaign, um, and thinking about what's happening at the moment, what are some of the recurring issues in the industry um, that you're you've been made aware of? I guess two of the two of the big campaigns that that I'm particularly proud of since I've been National Secretary um, were the living wage for the MIQ workers and the the pathways to residency for the migrants. So the the living wage for the MIQ workers, you know, the country had, had gone into lockdown. The border controls had completely changed. Hospitality was just laying workers off all over the place. But these people, these people had jobs keeping everyone else safe. But they didn't have to pay to go with it. Um, <clears throat> completely fallen through the cracks. Uh, the ministry didn't seem to care that it was implying people in health critical roles to the entire economy just above the minimum wage. Um, so, so we noticed that and we thought that was an opportunity because these people were being called essential um, because of the, their job had radically changed. So we used that um, that leverage. We couldn't actually go in there and organize that e easily, uh, but we, we talked to the media a lot, we talked to politicians, and we ran that campaign for a bit more than six months to get them a living wage. Um, that one reminds me of N Zero Hours because you can get something to resonate with the public when they think that something should already be the case and you show them that it's not. You know, They just assume that these people who are keeping us all safe are being well paid. 
no, no, they're on minimum wage. And, you know, that's, that's a good way of getting public support. Like the public didn't understand zero hours and what was unjust about them. Um, the second one that was, uh, I'm quite proud of was the, the pathways to residency for the migrant workers. Um, so over, over a long time, New Zealand had a very transitory migrant workforce that basically came in and came out and they, they weren't really landing residency. And, and through campaigning, we, we got a special visa in um, 2021, which affected, the numbers kept going up. It was bigger than they thought. The last number I heard was 205,000 workers. Um, so that's, that's pretty impressive. And I think those two are ongoing issues in hospitality. That hospitality has constantly been, or for a long time, a near minimum wage employer or minimum wage employer. Um, it still has youth rates. That's still an issue there. And we're starting to see that migrant exploitation come back. Um, you know, as the numbers have gone up and the, the checks in the system, there's still that critical flaw with migrant workers being bound to one employer that just leads to exploitation. Um, it's not as prevalent in hospitality, but it used to be when the settings were different. So we're very worried about that creeping back in again. Okay, awesome. Thank you for um, explaining that. Um, obviously, we have a fair pay agreement at the moment. Um, the biggest one of them all, hospitality, and that's the one of the, the fair pay agreement that Unite is organising. Um, how will the fair pay agreement potentially change the industry and avoid some of those um, barriers of entry and of prote worker protection um, in a way that we haven't had before? Yeah, I think there are, there are probably three ways this is going to change the industry. Um, the first is that um, we're going to see some research soon from Dr. Williamson about how how minimum standards are just breached in the hospitality industry. It's not even a minimum standards industry. Significant chunks of it are below. Um, so we think that there are, there are ways some of those problems can be fixed. There are, some, there are some, some mischiefs that are imposed on workers that having that spelt out uh, in a fair pay agreement can, can fix. So, for example, a lot of workers don't get their breaks. Um, if every break is recorded, that's much easier for workers to insist on getting their breaks. So that's something we're going to make sure happens. Um, on every shift in every bar, restaurant, cafe. Um, another one, uh, one that really annoys me, which I've never had to deal with myself, but um, workers not having a finish time. So some workers, bar workers are told, restaurant workers, come in, here's your start time and you'll work until we close. Now, our view is that that's not lawful. Um, I don't think it ever was, but there was a case run by the postal workers a couple of years ago, which, which you know, the determination explained why it wasn't lawful. But it's still a persistent practice in the industry. And going back to my first point, there are just, there's this culture that people accept almost that, that hospitality is bad, that yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll finish when you're told to finish. No, you don't get breaks in hospitality. Yeah, the chef's gonna yell at you. There's almost this acceptance culturally that hospitality is below minimum standards. And I don't want to be too harsh on it because there are good employers out there and a lot of hospitality workers love their jobs. Um, but you know, getting something like that, no, you will have a finished time in your roster, you are free to leave afterwards. Um, just kind of clarifying some of those <laughs> ambiguities to the point that a, a boss can call them an ambiguity and a worker that doesn't know better will, will go along with it. So we think um, bringing up to minimum standards, shifting the culture but then also the fair pay agreements, that, that allows us to, to build on that. Uh, allows us to, we, we get to talk about training, we get to talk about rates above the minimum, we get to talk about overtime and penal rates. And so actually getting the hospitality industry um, up because it, it should be an industry that people are proud 
to work in. And, and in some ways they are, but in some ways it's also derided. Uh, and there, there's evidence to back up why that's the case, and we want to get rid of that. We want to see people have a career in hospitality where they can expect you know, a good, a good package of terms and conditions and pay for that career. Awesome. Awesome. What are some of the specific things that Unite are, are looking to, to include in that fair pay agreement? Um, I've heard you guys talk about penal rates, that overtime, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's quite a lot. Um, it's quite a big list. It's going to be a, a robust um, negotiations. I think some other top items would be around guaranteed hours. So, you know, we got rid of zero hours, but then employers were quite sly. Oh, zero hours is illegal. How about three? Okay. <laughs> so it's still, still the same, the same power imbalance where the worker shows up to work week after week doing 20, 30 hours, maybe more. The contract says the guaranteed three. So as soon as they say boo, call in sick legitimately, or the boss doesn't like the way they smell, their hours get cut right back down. Um, that's, that's a real vulnerability in a lot of workers' contracts, so that's something we want to improve, get that working smoothly. Um, I think health and safety is a big issue in the industry. Uh, we hear that a lot. Um, uh, bullying, harassment, um, including sexual harassment, that's, that's something that needs to be tackled. And uh, what we've seen, uh, ironically, in, in 2020, there were massive redundancies throughout hospitality. A lot of people, a lot of people sadly lost their jobs. Um, a lot of New Zealanders are under the misconception that you get redundancy. You do not. If it is not in your contract, you do not get redundancy. Um, that has not, not been the law at any point. Um, so it's an opportunity for us to institute that um, for the next time things go, go tough, the next time a business goes under. And we think a lot of the part of the reason that, that short staffing has been an issue recently is because you had a hospitality workforce and now they were like partly relying on a high level of migrant labor. But also the people who were let go, they were burned. They didn't get any compensation. A lot of them wouldn't have gone through a fair process. We've run cases against companies that, that haven't done that and, and got significant wins for the workers. So I think, um, yeah, turning that into a career, getting the, the redundancy in there will be, will be very useful as well. Awesome. Yeah, it's inc obviously incredibly needed. Um, and hospitality seems to be one of those industries that man has managed to get to this point um, without that level of accountability. Um, what would you say to hospitality workers who are currently feeling like they're sitting pretty in their contract, in their job, they like where they work, and it's better than, than their previous job in hospo? Um, look, there are, there are good employers out there, so I'm not going to say that those, those people don't exist or that they're under some kind of false consciousness, but I'd, I'd be prepared to challenge that. To, to check their standards, that actually, what, what is a good job in hospitality? What does that look like? Do you have redundancy in your contract? Actually check that. You probably don't. When does uh, overtime kick in? Does it? What's your rate? Is it time and a half or better? You know, do you get night and weekend pay? Um, there, are, there are so many, so many things um, that a lot of workers don't think about. And I guess what I've learned through going through some of these processes and, and doing workshops and getting feedback from workers is that a lot of what they think about, a lot of what important is important to workers is about the culture in the workplace. Like having a good a good workplace, good manager, a good team, they're not even really looking at the terms and conditions. So it can be more it can be more about how the worker feels rather than what is written down in their contract. Um, but that's that's also something that we can address. When I talked about health and safety, whether it's um, 
whether it's health and safety around short staffing or around sexual harassment, we want to bring those those less those medium workplaces up to good standards. And the other thing workers can do, um, often people vote with their feet. It's very easy. Oh, okay, my manager who I loved left, and now the next guy's a jerk, so I'll just go as well. Um, but that that doesn't have to be the case. Um, you know, workers workers can unionize. They can they can define the culture in their workplace. Actually, these are the standards that are going to be enforced. Actually, no, that the new chef doesn't get to yell at us. No, no, we're not going to stay late because you, you've booked something wrong. Like, we've got plans. We're going to leave at our finish time. So instead of taking your chances and going from job to job um, and hoping you get a good, good scenario with a good manager, uh, workers have the opportunity to take the power into their own hands and, and kind of enforce those standards themselves. And that's something we want to, to make them aware of, that that's an option. Great. Great. Um, we've got a conference happening at the moment. You've got a conference happening at the moment. I do have you know, to get back to it very shortly. And you've got to get back. Um, would you be able to explain to us uh, what what is what are some of the things you're talking about um, this year at the Unite Conference, um, why it's important, and, yeah. What? Yeah, um, this, this conference uh, has, has three big themes. Um, the first is that it's our birthday, so we're going to have a, a nice barbecue this afternoon and I'm, we've got some cake. Um, the two main industrial themes are around the fair pay agreements and around the election, and it's because they're so, they're so intrinsically linked together. So the fair pay agreements, these are, these are the opportunity of a generation. We haven't had a mechanism like this uh, since the very early 90s when they were when they were taken down. Um, and, and it's a real opportunity to make the most of it. It's an opportunity for our union to grow and it's an opportunity for, for hospitality workers to raise their industry, to be the industry that they want to live work in long term and go from job to job without fear of, of you know, ending up in a bad place. Or moving to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that comparison does come up because... Um, you know, everyone sees the better jobs in Australia and what they miss is that Australians have the award system whereas New Zealand has the fair pay agreement system, which is brand new. We haven't got one inked yet. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, thank you, John. I uh, appreciate you talking to us about, about what's going on in hospitality and what the fair pay agreement could mean for this very important and needed industry. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You know, I always have time for the CTU. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, I really, that was awesome. Good? Yeah, okay, cool. Perfect. Cool. The Aotearoa's Opportunity Podcast is produced by the Council of Trade Unions. The purpose of the Aotearoa Opportunity Podcast is to raise awareness about fair pay agreements and their relevance to society. All views expressed on the podcast are the opinions of the interviewees and not necessarily the opinion of their union, the New Zealand Council of Trade Unions or their employer.